Hello and welcome to WRI's Big Ideas Into Action podcast. I'm Nicholas Walton and in this episode we're doing a deep dive on how forest loss data helps to save forests on the ground in Cameroon and why the forests mean so much to the people who live and work there. Let's say they are very critical to our livelihoods. It's like life for me with all the services they provide. And why having these insights into what's happening on the ground in these forests is critical to saving them. When you don't have data, when you don't have proof to assert what you are working on, people can just say you are lying. Every year, Global Forest Watch releases its analysis of the latest tropical tree loss figures. This year, the picture in Central Africa was not good. Here's GFW's Michaela Weiss from the podcast we did looking at the figures back in March. In the Congo Basin, we saw sustaining high rates of primary forest loss and increasing in some countries. Cameroon had nearly twice as much primary forest loss in 2020 as in 2019. And the Democratic Republic of Congo similarly saw very high levels of primary forest loss and was the second most country uh, in terms of total primary forest loss across the tropics. But what lies behind those bald figures and what work is going on to protect forests and deal with the myriad social, economic and political issues that can help drive deforestation? To find out in this episode of WRI's Big Ideas Into Action podcast, we're doing a deep dive on the Central African nation of Cameroon. Cameroon sits just north of the equator and right on the edge of the vast Congo River Basin. It has around 20 million hectares of tropical forest, mainly in the south, but according to data on Global Forest Watch, it's lost nearly 4% of its primary forest since 2002. But the purpose of Global Forest Watch is not just to tell us what's going on, it's to provide near real-time data that allows those on the ground to do something about it. My name's Fanuela Janteng, and I work for the Cameroon NGO named Sailt. Fanuela Janting works as an environmental scientist with SILD in the Deng Deng National Park. SILD took part in Global Forest Watch's Small Grants Fund, documenting forest loss and investigating social issues related to land conflicts. She told me what the forest means to her and the people who live there. Personally, the trees to me are of uttermost importance by the services they provide. Climate regulation, habitats for biodiversity, and they are also capital for a rural life, livelihoods. So if I put aside the economic aspects of trees, trees also provide more ecological benefits, more cultural benefits to certain areas in Cameroon. So forests or let's say trees are very, very important. And let's say they are very critical to our livelihoods. It's like life for me. Forests are with all the services they provide. We also know the importance of forests as uh, habitats for, li- uh, for biodiversity. So what can you tell us about the Deng Deng National Park? What does it look like? The Deng Deng National Park covers a surface area of uh, more than uh, 60,000 hectares. It's a very, very beautiful area where you have a very significant number of uh, big mammals. We have chimpanzees, we have gorillas, we have bonobos, we have also a wide varieties of bird species, we also have wide varieties of, of fish species. So it's a very diverse natural environment. We can find in the Dende National Park different ecosystem types. We have the savanna on the north of the Dende National Park, we have the savanna ecosystem. 
on the south area we have the forest, the dense forest. It's a very beautiful estate with a lot of natural beauty and a lot of biological riches. Can you tell me about your work and how much you benefit from being able to access data that shows you what's actually happening in the forests? I'm an environmental scientist by training and my work is to provide advices or to recommend some good behaviors on how we can have this ecological equilibrium for local people to incorporate their economic activities as well as protection of forests. So I'm working in an NGO who has established himself in local areas where we promote grassroots initiatives for development. And what I do actually through projects, I work with communities in order to have them promote their conservation strategies for the conservation of biodiversity and also to propose them some better agricultural practices to avoid deforestation in natural parks. So I also work for an uh, independent forest monitoring activities as well as support and capacity building activities for uh, local communities. The GFW Small Grants Fund, how has that helped your work? Our strategy in Sahil is to, to work with communities because we think the communities are the best actors as far as protection of forests is concerned or as far as biodiversity conservation is concerned. So we work with communities in uh, bringing them some technologies and supporting them in advocacy actions. So with the Global Forest Watch subgrant, we were able to promote the GLAD alert system to have the communities with whom we are working with to get this technology and to to use this near time technology for denunciation actions or for advocacy actions or also to identify areas where there should be lesser activities uh, or deforestation activities or the national parks. So Global Forest Watch, especially the GLAD alert and the Forest Watcher application really help us to identify these areas of deforestation and to orientate us for immediate actions or close to immediate actions to hinder or to counteract deforestation activities. How successful has this all been now that you can work with communities while actually having access to the information? Yes, we can see the difference. We have started working with the Global Forest Watch system in, uh, I think, 2017. And the first challenge was to to have the communities understand what deforestation is and what can be the impact. Because to reach a level of advocacy or denunciation, we first of all have to understand what the problem is or what the problem looks like on the field. So that was the first uh, step we had to cross. Then with the years along, we see how the communities themselves are taking in the technology. They are also engaging themselves in more of forest monitoring and they're also engaging in corporations or in coordinating their activities with other actors. So we think this system has really brought some evolution in the observing the forests or the national parks in general. So finally, what's at stake for Cameroon if the forests aren't adequately protected? Oh, the stakes are they are very large. We can say the first thing is, let me say ecological value. That's, I think, is the first big loss because with years we have been losing some of the very researched and very appreciated trees. There are some in areas where we had, the local name is Bubinga, 
for example. In some areas, Bibinga is a very valuable tree and that has been over exploited. And in some areas today, we can no more find these trees. And that's a great loss. Secondly, we can also say losing forests is a real stake where we, we consider the livelihoods of communities. At times, unfortunately, we portray the climatic impacts of losing forests, but most of the time we do not really see the social impacts of forest loss. At times we don't see the substantial impacts. I mean, many communities, forest communities, they mostly depend on forests for their livelihoods. They depend on forests to have what to eat. They depend on forests to care of when they are sick. They depend on the forest for almost every other of their activities, even for their cultural rights. They have like their cultural identity in forest. So losing forest is like losing all these aspects. In Cameroon, we are so blessed with a very wide variety of animal species, plant species, and even ecosystem. We are very blessed. But unfortunately, with the over-exploitation of forests, the unsustainable use also of forests, we are losing all of these aspects. So protecting forests is very, is very important. That was Fanwella Janting of Sild. Next, we'll hear from a journalist who uses the data on tree cover loss so that she can write stories about what's happening to her country and why. Here's Madeleine Ngeunga, who's taken part in Global Forest Watch's Tech Fellowship. My work is mainly to raise awareness on forest management issues, like how uh, indigenous communities are working to protect their forests against land grabbing or agribusiness companies, or what are some policies that government have implemented to protect forests or to have uh, a good forest management issues in country, and also climate change and forest management issues in the country. So as journalists, I investigate on this topic, and it's something really interesting, and it's really in line with forest change, forest improvement policy in Cameroon. So for your work, understanding what is happening with the forests and getting the data is is critical. Yes, it's critical in a country like Cameroon, where it's difficult sometimes as journalists to have access to data, like to open data. It's really difficult. And also with uh, issues like internet connection, access of information, it's really important to have data to support our story as journalists because we used to produce story with like speaking with communities having interview with uh, NGOs member but when you don't have data when you don't have proof to assert what you are working on people can just say okay you are speaking about this issue our government can say you are lying you are telling something that is not correct but when you have data it's like you're a proof of what you are explaining, a proof of what you are investigating on. What difference does your journalism make? Uh, people read the stories and they understand the issues better or, or what? People think that uh, forest issues is something from abroad, something coming from other countries is not really something that concerns our countries. So the first challenge is letting people know that we are concerned about forest issues. And when we add data, the main challenge is to be simple in how we present those data with simple words. 
explaining the data with simple visuals that reader can easily understand. People now don't just have pictures, images, or facts from communities. They also have the data. They observe what is really going on in a particular situation. Let's take, for example, people will say, okay, forest, tree cover loss forest in Cameroon is increasing. If we don't have data to show that this is the level of increase in forest chain or in tree cover loss in Cameroon, people will not be really aware or really sensitive to this news. But when you have facts, people notice that this is something crucial we should take into consideration. What change is that data will help people better understand the level or the impact of forest change, the impact of tree cover loss in our different activity, or even the level. Do we have an increase or a decrease in tree cover loss? Madeline, what is it that you personally hope to achieve through your work? Personally, I would like people to, to be aware of the impact of human activities on forest change and how the forest, when the forest will change, how will this forest change will affect our life? I think that if people, not just government, but normal citizens, if all those are real aware, they will be well involved to finding solutions to save our forest. And if we save our forest, I think people will have a better life. And that was Madeline Ngeonga on how better data has helped her explain what's going on in Cameroon's forests and why it matters. You're listening to WRI's Big Ideas Into Action podcast. This week, looking at how forest loss data is inspiring and informing work on the ground in Cameroon. Next, Kevin Mfor, who works for WRI in Cameroon, where he uses forest change data to engage with everybody from the government to NGOs. Okay, Cameroon has about 22 million hectares of tropical uh, forests, which forms a vital part of the Congo Basin forest ecosystem. These forests provide an important source of revenue, employment, livelihood, ecosystem services and habitat for several plant species, bird species, and uh, mammal species. And so Cameroon forest is managed for both production and uh, conservation. And uh, I cannot be able to name all the different species of trees and uh, bird species and mammal species in the Cameroon forest. I think people have really seen the forest as something that can lead to prosperity. The forest is their habitat, their livelihood is in the forest. It is actually a source of habitat for those people and a source of revenue to the government and to other people who depend on the forest for their for survival. So being able to use the forest atlases and the Global Forest Watch tools allows you to be able to do your work by bringing those, those different visions, those different sets of data to what, whoever is doing the, the work on the ground in Cameroon. Yes, exactly. Through the Global Forest Watch and the Cameroon Forest Atlas, we are able to bring the data to the level of the government, the Ministry of Forestry and Wildlife, as well as uh, civil society organizations in Cameroon. And, and how useful is it to have such real-time data? Yes, this data, it's, it's very useful. It's very useful, especially for the Ministry of Forestry and Wildlife, because this data helps them to be able to react promptly uh, to illegal uh, 
exploitation within the forest zone to curb illegal logging within the forest zone. And it also helps them to be able to carry out planning and field missions to monitor what is happening in the forest. Do you think that without this data, the lack of information would mean that uh, the situation with uh, deforestation and tree loss in Cameroon would be much worse? Yes, I think that with the lack of this data, it will be much worse in Cameroon because the ministry is actually making use, depending on this data, to monitor where deforestation is taking place in Cameroon. Can you give me a, an example of exactly how th- th- this growing recognition of the value of the forest has led to people's lives being changed? Yes, the growing recognition has actually really transformed the lives of many, many people, especially as Cameroon's forest is more in the south of Cameroon, that is in the center south and east region of Cameroon. Some of the people that live in those forests have actually, their lives have been transformed because their forests actually in protecting the forest, they consider protecting the habitat of those people. And also with the logging companies that come in to invest in some of these areas, the people in these areas benefit from from these NGOs through developmental uh, projects like schools, roads, and health services, which is actually important for the people living in those areas. So it isn't about stopping things like logging companies or other commercial interests in the forest. It's about understanding how the forest can accommodate that and make lives better for the people who live there, plus making sure that any use of the forest is more sustainable. Yes, actually. Actually, logging activities are also being controlled in the forest, but then the the, the provision is given to this companies, these logging companies, to actually make life better for the people in this forest. How do you see things in five or ten years' time? What do you hope for? In five or ten years' time, we actually hope that uh, through the Global Forest Atlas and Cameroon Atlas uh, data, the forest will actually be in a more stable state whereby deforestation is reduced. Actually, as of now, there is no much deforestation. It's not much within the forest concessions and the forest reserves. But we hope that in the next 10 years, we would have a well-controlled system of uh, this logging uh, concessions and uh, forest reserves and national uh, wildlife national parks. Kevin and Thor of the World Resources Institute in Cameroon. Finally, what's the big picture beyond Cameroon? And how has the Global Forest Watch project evolved? For that, I spoke to Catherine Shea, Monitoring and Evaluation Manager for WRI's Forest Programme, based in our global office in Washington, D.C. She led a recent impact assessment on GFW's work. When Global Forest Watch launched more than five years ago, the hypothesis was that if you could provide information to people who managed forests or worked on the ground around forests about what was happening in the areas that they couldn't necessarily see in the moment, that they would then be better equipped to adjust policy or to intervene immediately when that deforestation began. This was the theory, and it makes sense that that would be possible, but we hadn't tested it until last year. And so what we did last year was using areas where we knew that users had subscribed to look at the 
near real-time information, which means analysis of satellite imagery that tells you when deforestation has happened, the GLAD alerts and other information. We looked at areas where people had subscribed to look at that information, and we analyzed whether deforestation in those areas was different from deforestation in areas where nobody was looking at that information. And what we found was that, yes, in areas where people had subscribed to look at the information that was coming from satellites and receive that information in their email boxes, there was a reduction in deforestation. In fact, it was an 18% reduction in comparison to areas that were not yet being looked at. And, and which parts of the world uh, did, you, did you look at in particular? We looked at Southeast Asia, South America, and Central Africa. And in Central Africa is where we detected this significant difference. So explain a bit more about this difference that you found in, in Central Africa. So for our analysis, we were able to categorize users who are looking at the near real-time information, the GLAD alerts that come through Global Forest Watch. So people receive information about forest change as it happens into their inboxes. We're able to categorize the users who are receiving that information into those who are not immediate responders, so people who are researchers in Europe or North America who wouldn't necessarily act on the information in the countries where it's happening, and separate them from the people who work for local governments, NGOs, other users who may act on that information. When we looked at that group of people who intend to act on the information and have subscribed to monitor a forest, we saw that their access to the information had an impact on the deforestation. So deforestation was 18% less likely when people were using that monitoring system as compared to areas where they weren't using it. And did the type of people using that information, uh, whether it's private sector, government, NGO or whatever, did that have an impact or, or were you not able to find that out through the figures? The numbers are relatively small. So to say definitively, we really can't say. What we can say and what's interesting is that in the areas where there's a policy framework, for example, where there is a protected area or there is a government monitored concession, the impact of that monitoring through the Global Forest Watch system is greatest. And what that suggests is that having good policy hand in hand with near real time information coming to the users and those responsible for monitoring is really able to reduce deforestation. That is actually a, a useful combination of tools to stop deforestation or reduce it. Yeah, of course, we can't say we're stopping deforestation. Um, deforestation is still going up, but it's less likely to happen when these frameworks and monitoring systems are in place together. And we saw that across Central Africa, and that includes Cameroon. But picking up on, on, on that last point of yours, it is something of a race because technology is in, is getting better you're 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 able to understand what you can actually do you run evaluations you get better data more information comes in you can understand the areas where action actually happens and at the same time as we see in the figures year after year global tree cover loss is getting worse it does seem as though the path opens up to you and yet you see the path becoming more and more difficult at the same time yes 
Yes, that is absolutely true. And there really are a combination of measures required. We need to strengthen the information that is available so that we can see what's happening, what is driving deforestation, and provide that information to create good policy and incentives. And we need to fund and support organizations that are on the ground that can reduce that deforestation going forward. One of the things that we found in these interviews with organizations across Cameroon is that incentive structures are critical to stopping deforestation. So if there is a livelihoods project that can provide an alternative livelihood, communities are less likely to cut down their trees. If there is a a strong fine in place that people know will be applied if they are caught cutting down trees, they are less likely to cut down trees. So we need good monitoring systems that can support that. We need good policies on the ground from governments, and we need support to the communities on the ground who are trying to protect their forests, but are also trying to advance and find good sources of income for themselves. So one final question then, Catherine, that is, uh, are you optimistic working in this and seeing that link and, and seeing how it does work and seeing the technology advance and seeing this enormous task in front of you? Are you optimistic about the future? Generally optimistic because that is part of my own character, but the situation for forests is grave and urgent. We are losing forests around the world at an unprecedented pace. We have tools and we have a tremendous amount of knowledge about how to reduce that loss and how to protect forests and restore them. But that requires great investments by governments and communities all over the world. It requires a tremendous commitment from all levels of society, private sector, civil society, communities, to prevent that loss. And that was Catherine Shea of WRI's Forest Programme. If you found this interesting, head over to globalforestwatch.org for a tool that lets you zoom in on any country in the world to dig out the forest loss data and go to wri.org slash podcasts for the podcast that I did back in March, analysing the 2020 global figures with Francis Seymour. You can also subscribe to WRI's podcast on any podcast app, on everything from the outcome of Joe Biden's recent leaders' conference on climate change to the need for a sustainable ocean economy. I'm Nicholas Walton, and that's all for now. Goodbye. <laughs>